0: Hello and welcome to the fourth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater my guest today is janine mcguire janine is a musical theater composer lyricist and book writer and with writing partner ari lawton simon has written the immersive musical express and the tya musical kibby the space dog they are currently writing borders which has been developed at places such as goodspeed musicals new york theater barn the Rhinebeck writers retreat and the york theater janine is a member of the bmi advanced musical theater workshop and an alum of the Dramatist Guild Foundation Fellowship. We're going to talk today about the work of composer Andrew Lloyd Webber. Hey, Janine, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Hey, Shoshana, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Great. Well, we are going to get started with our Get to Know Our Guest questions. So what was your first experience with a musical?
1: Well, so the first thing I think of was that I was the perfect age to experience the Disney film renaissance. And uh, I consider those musicals. And I was, you know, really into Little Mermaid as a lot of kids were my age. Um, But if I think about stage musicals in particular, um, the first musical I saw on Broadway left a huge impact on me. It was actually The the Who's Tommy. Um, And I saw it when I was just 10 years old on Christmas Day. And um, I'm very fortunate enough to have parents that were cool enough to make that the first musical that I saw at age 10. And I suppose my sister at age seven. And um, it left just a, like I said, a really big impact. And um, I just I, I didn't know what was going on up there exactly. But I knew that That I had to get more of it, and someday I wanted to be part of it in some way.
0: I love that because I actually saw the Who's Tommy at age 12, and I guess my sister was 10 at the time because we're two years apart. It wasn't my first, but um, I I loved it. What is with uh, which musical has had the greatest impact on you?
1: Well, again, when I think back to being young, actually one musical that had a big impact on me, I consider it my gateway drug into musical theater actually was was Grease, um, which that was the one that then kind of just like hooked me. And I thought like, that's when I really decided that I definitely wanted to be in theater in in some fashion, I didn't know what that was going to look like uh, right away. This was, you know, after I'd seen a summer camp production and the 1994 Broadway revival was happening. And that uh, was really big for me. In fact, actually, I got to be the kid who got to dance in the aisle and go up on stage at the end at the Broadway um, mm-hmm. Greece revival, which is really fun. So definitely like it was a, a big thing in my life. And um, also say side note, if you ever do it at like a, a podcast on Greece, I would love to chat about it because I actually think it's a more subversive and you know incisive uh you know takedown of the 50s than than you know even more than a celebration of it i think um but that's for another day but um so i'd say that that was big but i also will say that um the musical that made me want to start writing them was phantom of the opera and you know we'll get to talk more about andrew lloyd weber in this in this hour um which i'm really excited to do but that um that was the show that that for me um just kind of opened the doors for what I think what what became my actual contribution into into musical theater, which was as a as a composer and lyricist, and um, I actually owe it to my younger sister Lindsay, who um, fell in love with Phantom first, and uh, and then sort of brought me along, and then that sort of just opened the doors to Andrew Lloyd Webber's entire catalog, and I became a huge fan, and you know we'll talk about that, but the Phantom was just like a, a wonderful um, thing to have in my life when I was about thirteen years old. And, um, you know, for my sister, actually, it took her down this road of actually studying French literature, she majored in French in college, Mm. she loved um, the scenic design and the, you know, the artistry of stagecraft and all that. And for me, it took me down the, the writing road and the music road. Nice. And I'll say, of course, there's plenty. It's like hard for me to answer that question because now as, you know, as, as someone who's dedicated my life to, you know, to theater and to musical theater, you know, it shows like Fiddler, West Side Story, Ragtime, Cabaret. These are the shows that I kind of can't get out of my head as a writer today that I use right. as as like as blueprints for, you know, for composition.
0: Great. Um, what's a musical people may be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised?
1: Well, for this, because, you know, I grew up as sort of such a public Andrew Lloyd Webber and, you know, Tim Rice fan that I think sometimes occasionally people are surprised that I also love Stephen Sondheim. And I'll also, I'll say that for me, I think it's kind of a false dichotomy to think of them as these very like separate styles. I think that, um, I think that because they were born on the same day march 22nd and had in some ways some you know overlapping uh career time span that sometimes they're 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 compared quite often but to me it's like asking like you know do you like steak or do you like chocolate I was like well I like both of those things <laughs> so it's like so I love sondheim's entire body of work um I, I particularly love company I love sunday in the park I love into the woods right now I'd say the closest one to my heart is is merrily and um you know it's like all those shows mean a whole lot to me as well
0: it is like yeah, this episode is coming out on on their birthdays so um it's good to you know we're talking about andrew lloyd weber but it's good to acknowledge sondheim as well i i've had some andrew lloyd weber shows that i love growing up but i considered myself like a sondheim person and it wasn't until i became an adult that i was like wait no like i can love andrew lloyd weber too
1: <laughs> yes that's it that's it it's like two sides coming together yeah but yeah I know it is funny how sometimes when you're a kid and you like define yourself by by what you love um and you find identity in it that sometimes those boxes can feel a little bit small but then like you know the the musical theater is full of of amazing you know works of art to fall in love with right
0: um what's your favorite musical that no one else has heard of
1: Okay. So one of these for me, I want to see if you've heard of this. Cause then if not, I have a backup one of that might be like a little bit more obscure. Have you heard of um, King David by Alan Menken and Tim Rice?
0: I I don't think so.
1: Okay, it's, it's really great. You should, I think you would like it, especially it's if vaguely, you're into the you know, title's Menken.
0: vaguely familiar. I mean, I definitely don't know the show, but I'm like, have I heard of this? But I don't think so.
1: Well, yeah, it was. Um, they wrote it and it premiered in, in 1997. It opened the new Amsterdam theater that um, that Disney had renovated and uh, before Lion King got in there. And it's based on the biblical David. And it's a great score. It's just oh, like really, nice. really, really good. And um, that's that's one that, that I love, um, you know, a lesser known work by two really, um, really prominent writers who I love. Yeah. And um I have a backup one too. If you, yeah, if you want let's to hear the backup, backup.
0: <laughs> I was gonna ask anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: no, know, my backup one is um is a show called Star Mites. Um oh,
0: I've heard I don't know it, but I've okay. definitely I, I've heard the title. Yeah.
1: No, I love that show too. It's about it's by a guy named Barry Keating. Um it was actually it was on Broadway briefly in 1989, and it's about a girl who's obsessed with comic books and is transported into one. And it's really fun, and the songs are just like infectious and like it's a great show. I've seen it actually. I saw it actually as a surprise on my honeymoon back in the day. Um, my husband and I were in, uh, we're near like Bucks County Playhouse and saw that it was playing and I said, oh my goodness, I want to go see Star Mites. And it was just delightful. It's Aww. such a fun show. And it's like, it's great for for school groups and things.
0: Nice. I'll have to check it out. Both of those. What is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was
1: possible to get to? So here I'd love to give Sondheim uh, his due because he has so many of these. Actually, it's like hard to narrow down, down a moment because uh, I, I think that, that, that he has so many of them. And in fact, I'd say actually, this is such an awesome question because I think this is what as writers we're all trying to do all the time. And I've never heard it worded exactly this way. So I think I'm going to go through you know, my own work and think like, am I doing this successfully? Am I, tr- am I getting to a complex emotional state? Because I, I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. But um, for this, I'll have to answer being alive from company. I think for me, it's just, it's so real. It's so, you know, someone to hold you too close, someone to hurt you too deep, someone to sit in your chair and ruin your sleep. I mean, people don't talk about or sing about love in that way all the time, but it is just like, you know, it's such a, like a, a, an important special way of, of, of looking at, at what love really is or can be. And yeah. then, you know, by the time the song wraps around to, you know, somebody hold me too close. It's just, to me, it just, that gets me every time. That's just, it, it gets me right in the heart. And actually it's, and it's wild that it wasn't, you know, the original draft, I guess there was that marry me a little song right. that was the, the first, the first pass. Yeah. Which I do and, love um, that song, yeah. but I,
0: I agree. Like it's not, it's, it's definitely not for that moment. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, move on to our topic which uh, in honor of Andrew Lloyd Webber's birthday today will be uh, the musicals of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. And uh, yeah, uh, so knowing that this episode was going to come out today, I was thinking like, oh, you know, it's Sondheim and Webber's birthday. I should do something um, for the podcast episode on this and my uh, immediately I thought of you. to (laughs) to talk talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber because um I
1: so appreciate that that's actually one of the (laughs) the best honors that I've had in a long time (laughs) so just to be thought of associated with him so Um, yeah no it was wonderful I mean yeah happy birthday to to ALW 73 I think that's that's really wonderful
0: so yeah maybe maybe we should start with just like your background with um with his uh, with his work and and wh- how you came to to love uh, love his shows and um, you know how you first got to know them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you know when you asked me to do this, I just like started to take stock a little and think about the the years that have gone by, and I realized I've been a fan for almost exactly 25 years. So it's a perf- good time as any to think back on it now and and all that. And um, so, yes, it was, you know, the mid to late 90s, around 1996, I would say, when, as I mentioned before, Phantom was was the first one that I got into really via my sister and getting to go see the Broadway show. And um, it was a really exciting time to to be a fan and an exciting time to discover Broadway. I think, Um, you know, I grew up in northern New Jersey, about 40 minutes out of the city. So, and because my parents also loved theater, I had some ability to come in with them and, and see shows. So that's really what, what started it. And, you know, um, as I think back to the 90s, there actually was this billboard in Times Square that was um, Cats, Phantom and Sunset all on their Andrew Lloyd Webber shows. And I just like loved that. I I loved that he felt like this brand before I, you know, knew even his other works. I just kind of loved the the idea that the, the writer of these pieces was put front and center and almost was the biggest star as the shows themselves. So it was a period where I was really kind of devouring, um, you know, each, each show. And, you know, it's like starting with, I think, starting with Phantom then going into, I think JCS and Avita and Joseph, a lot of the Tim Rice stuff early. I should really say that, like, you know, like I love Tim Rice as much as, as I love ALW for sure. You know, at um like to me, like they are the dream team working together. But then, you know, I basically, I I got to know pretty much every show. And, but I would say though, that everything that's then come through New York um, and played on Broadway of his, I've gotten a chance to see if not once, usually more than once, if I, if I can swing it. And um, yeah, and I've just, I've loved just, you know, staying, staying up with his career. And so, so one of the best experiences of getting to see uh, see his shows in New York was actually um, a show called By Jeeves. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. You are. Okay. Yeah.
0: I saw when he was showing all the, um, that series of shows over quarantine, I watched mm-hmm. almost all of them and that was one of them. So I'm now yeah. familiar with that, with that show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So By Jeeves actually was my first official opening night that I was able to snag tickets to oh, because they were nice. actually just on sale. So mm-hmm. I was a um, a Barnard first year here in the city. Um, and it was kind of my dream to be able to see all these shows all the time. It was a it was an interesting time on Broadway because um, when it opened, 9-11 had happened about a year, and a, uh, sorry, a month and a half uh, prior. So, you know, theater was was coming back, but a few things had been postponed. And um, by Jeeves was was a it was a beautiful escape, I think, from from that and uh, so I, I loved it a lot. But the reason it really holds a special place in my heart is because that was the one and only time I've gotten the chance to meet Andrew Lloyd Webber and express to him a little, little piece of of my appreciation. Um, and it was just really special. I mean, this, the story of that was that at um, on that official opening night in October 2001, um, I was you know loving the show and everything and at intermission I walked outside and I saw he was actually also outside the theater at that point um as well and I just he he wasn't really like like he wasn't talking to anybody and he just like was in a moment and I sort of tried to size it up I'm like okay he seems like approachable right now he's sort of like um known to be a little bit reserved but I was just like here's my chance I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it and if if he doesn't want to talk like that's cool um and 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 the thing was the, the specific thing I really wanted to um to just uh, let him know that, that I had noticed about the show was that um, there was this uh, uh, touted, you know, new song that was going to be in by Jeeves that wasn't in the previous versions. Um, in I think in, in the UK version. And um, so, and I'd heard that song that night and I had actually recognized this tune from something that he had uh, recycled from his very early, early show um, called the likes of us, which was something he wrote in 1965, 66 with Tim Rice. And, uh, at the time, um, that sh- that score had actually not been recorded and released. It was just uh, it was actually one of those sort of demo tapes. So I mentioned I was like, you know, that song. It's like, um, it's 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 you won't care about him anymore from from the likes of us, and that like got his attention. He like looked at me and he said something like, I think it was something like, How on earth would you know that? Like in this like pleased way, you know. And then he actually then he took my two hands in his hands and like just. I don't know we like kind of just like had this interesting moment where he was just like grateful for it's he seemed to be sort of just at least just acknowledging that that I was like a real like devotee of of his work and was just like kind of like st- I don't want to say like, thank you. It wasn't that exactly, but it was just, it was just like, like, wow, like you, you sort of got me there, I guess, you know, Yeah, and there was a
0: connection. Yeah. There's a connection yeah. and a
1: short connection. And then I probably just blabbered on a few things about just like, I write musicals because of you and thank you and whatever, you know, that kind of yeah. thing I Kept it short, you know, you don't want to monopolize or anything, right? but it was just cool. It was just this moment where honestly, I don't even really remember, like I was saying, I don't really remember the the details, but I remember how how it felt and I remember, yeah. it felt just like so special, just of just sharing just a few seconds with someone who you really, admire
0: oh so should we start talking about uh talking about uh jesus christ superstar
1: yeah that'd be great
0: absolutely yeah so i'll start with my my background on it which is that i didn't really know aside from the song i don't know how to love him i didn't know that show until the 2012 revival Mm -hmm. that was uh on broadway which i saw and I was, like, very blown away by it because I didn't really know what to expect. I um, had heard it was a rock opera, but I didn't really know what that was. And I um, just, like, the music was, uh, you know, I I don't know what I was expecting. But, I mean, I guess... Uh, you know, I knew some of his other shows at that point, and maybe I thought they would sound like those, but it didn't sound like those at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I, lo-
1: I, I love that you brought that up because I agree. I mean, I think that, that Andrew Lloyd Webber's music is actually far more diverse in style than than sometimes than people think, you know, if they're yeah. only thinking about some of the biggest hits that have a little bit more of a, you know, romantic uh, musical vibe to them. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think um, Jesus Christ Superstar is such a, a great rock show. It has so many different kinds of sounds in it. It has so much energy in it. I mean I think it's it's it, to me it's very fitting that it was the breakout show for Andrew Lloyd Webber, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice um you know even though they had written um, Joseph before and that other show I mentioned the likes of us even before that which didn't really go anywhere um it um it was it was you know famously recorded as a concept album first and then you know became their their huge hit which propelled them on to, to everything else and um yeah it's I, I really love it I think it's I think it's so special because it takes such an interesting, um, like point of view on such a well-known story. I think that, um, well, Tim Rice was, was inspired by the Bob Dylan lyric, which was, um, I can't think for you, you will have to decide whether Judas Iscariot had God on his side. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a great, you know, jumping off point for the, the, the version of the story that they've created. And I think that, um, I think it's just very just fresh and exciting to think of, 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 you know, the passion of the Christ, you know, this story through, through the eyes of, of Judas and, and with the idea that they have this, this like close relationship that, that is really tested in these, in these days, these last days of, of Jesus's life. So, yeah. um, you know, and another thing I like about it, as I was, you know, just thinking about this a little bit and just, uh, you know, getting excited to talk about this was that I also think that, that the plot is very straightforward, um, perhaps maybe because it was written for the record. So it, I think it follows the chronology of the biblical story, you know, uh, quite, um, you know, quite, quite straightforwardly. Um, but there, I think what, what makes the story really just engaging and compelling throughout is this, uh, is that it, it mixes like tension and release in a, a, for me in a really satisfying way. Like there are, there are moments like everything's all right. And, Um, you know, in King Herod's song that kind of, I think, allow us some, um, just some, like a break from this uh, incredibly tense time in, in Christ's life. And, um, but then, you know, and then when, when it really, when the drama ratchets up, like during the trial or during, you know, when Jesus freaks out in the temple, things like that, it's just, it gets, it gets to a really dramatic heightened place. And I think, um, I don't know, that's just one of the things that now in, in hindsight that I really
0: appreciate about it. So I think I read that they wrote it as a musical. They couldn't get it produced. And then it, so then they did it as a concept album. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think that they were, they were always conceiving it for the stage since that was, I think. That was the, that was the goal, um, and I know that they they started with the song Superstar, mm-hmm. and then got that recorded. Um, that 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 recording that we all know and love, and then I think it was uh, actually Tim Rice tells this story perfectly. I almost don't want to summarize it on on his own podcast, which I highly recommend um, mm-hmm. checking out, which he started about a year ago when this whole quarantine started, and uh, you know he talks about that exact um, exact. Uh, timeline really really well and it's actually it's always it's always really interesting to me to hear firsthand how those events line up for something that becomes such a breakthrough like yeah. how many little moments of chance there are with it and um, essentially they they just had um just had a better shot and and basically just had the had the um, opportunity to put it to put it on the record, knowing that it was still going to be ultimately, you know, envisioned for the stage. But I think Tim Rice talks about though that because they um, they knew that they were getting down that first version to be recorded, it allowed them to sort of go go dialogue free,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to 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 really just kind of I think just let the music do so much of the work, let the music be central in it.
0: Yeah, and this is such like I guess a, a specific style, but like so much of the time. And knowing, like, as you said, like he wrote in so many different styles, did he choose the style for the show or was this like his writing style at the time? And so that's how I, it came I, out yeah. for the show.
1: That's a really good question. I think he chose it for the show. Mm-hmm. I think, because uh, I think that, you know, he talks a lot about his own influences being, you know, from the the classical world being from rock and roll from just like, you know, being young in the sixties and, and yeah. enjoying like everything that was on the radio at the time. And, uh, you know, and just kind of being able to incorporate a lot of those things. I, I, I think that it's um, I think that it was a, a lot of that was a choice on how to how to treat this story specifically. Yeah. And uh, because because even like, you know, a show like um, like Joseph, which is musically very different, was only written like just just prior to that. Mm. And then actually, if you look up the likes of us, that is really different. That I think owes more to, um, to almost a, a Richard Rodgers and a Lionel Bart kind of uh, kind of songwriting. It's easy
2: to be careless. Let a lifetime hurry by, live aimlessly forever, and be nothing till you die. I would have let that happen, but suddenly I found my little world invaded by a strange and lovely sound. Soft through the roar and rush of day when the still of night draws near from the depths of somewhere far away a strange and lovely song I hear
1: yeah. so I think that those are, are, are um you know, uh, particular stylistic choices.
0: Cool, should we move
1: on to talking about uh, Evita? Sure, sure, another um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Tim Rice collaboration, their last major work together, although they did at times come back together for shorter, mm-hmm. um, smaller projects. And uh, I-, I think it's their most sophisticated score together and um, it's, it's one I also just truly, truly love. I also got into it fairly, fairly quickly because it was so well known. Actually, my parents actually had this record, the Patti LuPone original Broadway cast just in their record collection. So I didn't have to go very far to start discovering that one. Um, you know, I find it to be a really complex cautionary tale in a lot of ways mm-hmm. about, um, you know, about what happens when a a politically dangerous person is also very glamorous. I I think that's something that's still very relevant now. And I think that that um, is a lot of the lens through which the story is told. Although I do think that that's, that can be open to um, different kinds of interpretations. I think that I saw the uh, revival at city center that Sammy can directed. And I loved that as well. Um, I I found it, you know, a different, a a warmer take on her and a, um, you know, very Ava, Ava centered kind of a, portrayal like she's on stage quite a lot and um it's uh so so I do think that the piece is actually open to directorial interpretations in a lot of different ways but you know to to me I think it 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 is it is this this interesting um you know study of a very complex character like looking at her from a lot of different ways from a lot of different perspectives
0: yeah it is interesting like the we're we're talking about like the range of musical styles uh that he's used over the years and over the course of the many shows but there's also like the range of subject matter that um is also like very interesting to think about too like you know the this this very interesting perspective on the Jesus Christ story and now we're we're you know looking at um Eva Peron in Argentina and and that story and you know we'll talk about you know other ones coming out but it is interesting like what sub- what what stories he's drawn to as a composer uh, and agreed. the variety
1: i think that is actually one of the things that sets him apart is the the boldness in in telling stories that don't wouldn't necessarily make sense as a stage musical to other people Mm-hmm. I think Tim Rice does, uh, I think deservedly get the credit for thinking of the the Avita idea because he had heard um, a, a biography of her on a radio show and then just started to learn more and more and thought this could be something. And I think, uh, yeah. as, as far as I understand, had to sort of um, convince Andrew to to uh, to take it on as a project. So I think uh-huh. that he wasn't like immediately um, immediately in love with it, but um, but hey, that's that's collaboration. You know, sometimes right. one person gets like a very strong idea and uh but i'm really glad that they did work on it together because i think that i think that um some of the 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 romanticism um in Andrew's score writing, I think just lifts off so much of, of the show also. I mean, it, it could be, I think this like hardened look at this, um, you know, kind of a complicated woman, um, and be, I think very like only dark and, um, you know, and prickly. And I think that what I do like is that there are some, you know, uh, musically and dramatically complex moments of that in the piece, but there are also soaring, um, you know, soaring beautiful moments. There's moments of, you know, of celebration and, and, and joy and, you know, looking at her life like i said from a lot of different perspectives and you know I, I think like the the marriage of music and lyric in don't cry from Argentina is you know is 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 it you know um especially because i think that i think to me that that song does what sometimes only a theater song can do which is which is have um have some real subtext and Uh, And have and have the music and the lyrics work together to do a very specific thing, which in my opinion is to um, the music give the feeling of of the speech that I think that that. You know everyone who was, who was watching it you know would would feel this sort of this sweeping sort of swept up in in everything that she had to say the the buying it and and then the lyric is kind of filled with these these platitudes and you know it's it's very like it's very like politi- like a politically written speech you know it's and and so these things together i think like illustrate the exact point of of what is it when um when a politician is just sort of beloved by mm. by um by the masses
2: don't I kept my promise don't keep your distance
0: I love how that theme
1: is when it comes back I think one of the the most skillful places it comes back or rather actually begins the show um mm-hmm. is, well we we get it at um you know at the funeral at the requiem for Evita. but then yeah. we also get it in this like fast um Totally differently, uh, totally different arrangement in *Owet Circus*, and it's mm-hmm. almost like it. You almost don't even. Well, I, I'll be honest. I didn't notice that like the the first time I was experiencing the show. And when yeah. I started like listening to the recordings over and over, I was like, "Wow, this is, you know, this is um, like these themes are are brought back and for very specific reasons." And and I, I just I really I really like that about Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think you know sometimes I think he uh, you know gets gets a bad rap sometimes for for having scores that that do um, revisit themes. And, but it's something that I actually quite like, and and I think it's never arbitrary.
0: What what's your
1: favorite song from from Evita? Well, I, I I am partial to like the entire thing, but um, I would say <laughs> I I do love actually the waltz for Ava and Che. because um, uh-huh. I think that that is this like climactic moment where these two forces that have been sort of you know in conflict throughout the whole show come together and. I just feel like that's a really exciting moment, and um, and I also really love the music there as well too. The mm-hmm. music, the lyrics. I just feel like that moment is is really special.
0: So I would love to talk about Song and Dance, which is uh, not usually one of like the big Andrew Lloyd Webber shows that people talk about, but I just love that, love that score. I mean, I don't know. I don't even really know the dance, (laughs) the dance act of it. Um, So what I guess I'm really thinking about is the first act. If people don't know the show, it's like, the first half is like a one woman uh show and then like the second act is all dance yeah, um that's right and i just one like i just love all the songs <laughs> from that show i love that it's a one person show and i feel like i mean we've kind of been uh dancing around i think this Kind of description of Andrew Lloyd Webber, but the fact that he's experimental, I think, is also part of his. Um, you know, he's always trying these new types of different types of of shows, and um, uh, and 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 a and a one act, you know, one woman, you know, one act <laughs> musical, and then you pair it with dance. You know, it's just like I would not expect I would not expect that show to come out of that that form of show to come out of android webber next but here it is um agreed agreed.
1: yeah Uh, no i I agree with you that you know experimental is not a word that is applied to him that often but because i think in retrospect it's easy to sort of look back and be like well of course that that you know, that worked or that didn't work or he tried that. But yeah, I think, I think putting ourselves kind of in time and thinking about these pieces mm-hmm. as they were coming out. I think that, um yeah, a lot of them are pretty unexpected in either, in either form or content or, or, you know, su- subject matter, something, yeah. something about each, I think it usually takes a pretty big risk.
0: Yeah. And with song and dance, I know there was like a gestation where it was like a one act, uh that they wrote for this singer uh marty webb, marty webb.
1: yes that's right
0: that yeah um, it was it was
1: tell me on a sunday that was and just, was just like, the yeah, yeah it's called tell, that, tell me yeah. on a
0: sunday and she was like the original singer and then i saw a version with sarah brightman that was yes, like indeed that i think that might be still on youtube i saw the full i marty think it webb. is i saw the full marty webb version on youtube but i can't find it anymore on youtube i don't okay. think it's on there anymore
1: um yeah, i'm pretty sure the sarah brightman one is so what's well yeah you're yeah. right so what's interesting is the show did it started as, as as a song cycle for for one singer for, yeah. for marty webb who i think was associated um with don black at the time the lyricist mm-hmm. and i think it was his idea to uh, to work with with her and um and then, you know, the show kind of expanded and changed through the different incarnations. You know, then it did become, uh, you know, a, a West End show um, as, as you know, a song and dance. There's that Sarah Brightman version that was recorded. Um, then when it was brought to Broadway, it changed again. That's yeah. the Bernadette Peters version. Um, yeah,
0: they changed it. Yeah. Like- a lot. It's quite a bit
1: it's quite different yeah <laughs> And then they <laughs> changed it again in like in the I want to say in the 2000s I can't think of the exact year right now oh. but with um Denise Van Outen they kind of updated it again Oh I don't uh, know that um, Yeah it's it's, it's it's definitely interesting to 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 put in you know in the series because it's almost like well which one is canon like which one right. is I just think it's 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 it is pretty amazing to think about um even in the different incarnations it still you know holds stage mm-hmm. for as you said an entire act with just um one actor on stage, you know, and it's, um, I can't think of too many other solo musicals really. And it, um, and like, you know, she's singing to herself, she's singing to like in letters to her mom and she's singing to, um, to the men that she's dating and everything. It's, I think it's it's really interesting to think about like what it would be like to construct a a musical where you really only have one actor to, to work with. So I think that that's a pretty neat neat thing. And also it felt, it's, it's so interesting too, because the story is about, um, a British, a young British woman in New York. And, right. and so it's sort of and dating mostly in her relationships. And it's like, it's pre sex in the city, you know, and everything. Right. And like, and, <laughs> but, you know, it was like, it was an interesting like window to me of thinking about like what like life might be like in the city kind of thing. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, New York in this version, like New York kind of beats her down like a little bit, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, you know, beautiful songs in it, but it's, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, turmoil in the romantic relationships that she has. So it's an interesting show. I mean, but like you said, it's chock full of of great songs. I mean, you got Tell Me on a Sunday, you have Take That Look Off Your Face, you have Unexpected Song.
0: Yeah. So
1: it's there's so many good love songs in it.
0: Take That Look Off Your Face is so interesting to me because there's like they that one they very much changed for the New York version where they like like and i think they kept the i think they keep the other version also and it's like later in the show in the yeah yeah in the new york version because like the original version is like her um like being told that her husband is having an affair or her boyfriend is having an affair and she's like um talking to the person who's telling her that that's mm-hmm. happening um and then you hear it in the Broadway version, and it's like about her coming to New York. <laughs> like that experience of coming to New York.
1: <laughs> yeah. like... Writing is rewriting, as we know. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> This is like but, such a different song. Well, and it's it's interesting too because that's why I don't have one favorite version. You know, I yeah. think all the pro- those performances are all really different, and I think all of the um the sh- the, the show content themselves are all really different. So I, I think it's been a while actually since I've like really put them back to back and, and thought about it. But I think that each have their their strengths. Yeah. And I'd be curious if there's like one version right now that is licensed. You know, I'd be curious like how that yeah lands. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I love and just musically too. Like, it is such a such an interesting uh music like sound for that show too um i mean i guess once the orchestrations i might have changed to like when it gets to broadway in the 80s but when it's i think like the the take that look off your face that i know from the uh earlier versions has such like a I don't know exactly when that was written. Was that in the 70s when that was written? The first first late of 70s, it? yeah. Yeah. It it has that kind of like uh yeah, like a 70s sound to it. And um with like the backup singers coming in and like it build like the build of it like to um you know the uh what does she sing really loudly there you don't know me or something like that
1: <laughs> i knew before and i knew I before, knew before.
0: Yeah, whatever yeah take that look off your face take that look off your face i can see through your
2: smile i can see through your smile you
0: it's true. Like when Bernadette Peters does a lot of the songs, it's like a very different vibe. Like
1: And of course, we we spoke all about the song part, but also the dance part. Um, mm-hmm. That was um, mostly based on uh, that was based from uh, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Variations, which was um, variation on a theme by Paganini,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, that is uh, which is something that he originally wrote um, for a record um, and performance by his brother, cellist Julian Lloyd Webber. And I, I love that stuff too. I also think it's really compelling. And again, really like a different thing to try. You know, something that you know I've never heard any other. You know, musical theater composer do that exact kind of project. And I think that that shows to me, Andrew Lloyd Webber, the innovator and, you know, just the the trying different things. So let's
0: let's move on to Phantom. Which, yes, let's. Which...
1: Now, I heard you told me before this that it's not one of your favorites and it is one of mine. So yeah. let's, I'm excited to get into it.
0: Yeah. So, well, I think part of it was that I never I never saw it as a kid. I only saw it as an adult. I don't know if that colors, people's opinions. I know a lot of people see it as, as young people. um, And it was part of their like, um, you know, musical theater journey. I will say that when I saw the uh, video of uh, like Sarah Bogis uh, doing it uh, in the big, theater when they showed it during that. Angela yes, I think that was run,
1: at, I think Royal Albert Hall, the 25th yeah. anniversary. Yeah.
0: I, I was a little bit more into it than when I, I don't know, when I saw it in the theater, it was like four years ago. It just wasn't my type of story, I guess. I was like, he's, the phantom's a terrorist.
1: I don't <laughs> know. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't get
0: past it.
1: <laughs> I, I appreciate that people feel differently about it and interpret the story differently. I think the world would be you know, a boring place if we all felt the same, of course. I was
2: like um, he's Well, a, I'll say I'll say for, for
1: me, I've got I've gotten the chance to see see it quite um quite a few times. Actually, yeah. I looked through my Broadway show spreadsheet, which I have because <laughs> I'm just that kind of person. And I did see it ten times, include all nine of those times on Broadway and one in Vegas. But you know, for me, I don't know. I think I actually find it uh, like a really sympathetic story of, of obsessive and unrequited love. Mm-hmm. And that's always the the place I think that I've, I've connected to it, to it from like, yes, the phantom is, is, is a flawed, um, flawed person. And, and does he go about this, you know, pursuing his love in the most healthy way? Like, no, of course not. But, but that um, to me, I've, 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 found like, I just feel like that, um, you know, the sort of the, the, the passion and you know, and um, and just 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 desire to reach out for connection with someone with with a world that has shunned him and mm-hmm. excluded him to be, I think, the thing that I think you know uh, strikes a chord for me, and I think for for a lot of fans who, um, you know, who 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 I think that that's like a lot of people's way into the story. Yeah, uh, just that that sort of that um that like looking for relief from loneliness and uh, and connecting with the world. Yeah. So, you know, and and for me though, I mean, I really do. You know, uh I really also just like like the love triangle, you know, of mm-hmm. of Phantom, Christine and Raoul. You know, I think it's I think it's interesting throughout. I think they all get really good good song moments and things, you know. And I think uh, you know, it's it's a it's a love story that I get invested in and honestly cry every time. You know, you're you're right. I can't um you know, I can't separate out how much of that is, is possibly like pieces of nostalgia for the, the period of my life when it was, you know, so important to me. But I actually think though, that, that I, I, after I've given it some space and come back to it, just with my, even with my musical theater brain on, I find so many things actually just super interesting about the way it's constructed yeah. and, um, and the way it, I just think it's actually just built really, really beautifully. And again, I've had, I've, I've argued that, um, that point with a lot of other writers who, who disagree with me, but, but for me, I think it's, it's structurally very, very sound. And, um, you know, I really appreciate actually um, Andrew Lloyd Webber as a, as a musical dramatist, you know, uh, helping to create the book. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, the music um, just just functions so well, uh, you know, with the dramatic storytelling beats of it. Like the music is just essential every time something um, really big happens. Like, for instance, in like in the end of Act One, the All I Ask of You reprise is just like to me that. That is a really really strong moment. I think the um, I think, uh, "Point of No Return" is a really really strong moment, and I think it's so um, just uh, inter interconnected with the actual music that is written for that for that. Actually, um, side note is that uh, he uh, Andrew Lloyd wrote. Uh, quite a bit about about the the story building blocks in his book unmasked which is mm-hmm. toward the end of the book it's it's really great to just sort of see how you know the sort of figuring out um how how this particular story would be built because it is you know it's different in a lot of ways from the original novel and from you know other interpretations of of the phantom story so yeah. um yeah so at one point i think i was in grad school when somebody
0: one of the teachers like showed us this video of It was like how, like a very early like conception of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom where it was a little more like glam rock. Um, This
1: video,
0: I I, I don't know. I can't seem to find this video again.
1: I'll send it to you. Okay, But I remember seeing this and being like,
0: whoa, like what, this is so different from what it became. Not that different, but like pretty different
1: well yeah it did start a little bit differently so the, i think the video that you're thinking of is the title song the phantom of the opera yeah. um starring sarah brightman and steve harley and yeah the, the music video is by ken russell the director and uh-huh. it is yeah i agree with you it's 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 a cr- kind of a crazy you know um take on it and it's it's very fun it feels very kind of like i said rock and roll kind of glam kind of um just very ken russell i guess i've seen a couple of his his long-form films and it sort of just makes sense in his aesthetic day. And uh, yeah, I think that 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 was, again, like a like a like a building block to this whole story. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a like a little a piece of a jumping off point. But um, then I think there there was a, a deliberate choice to to turn it into what what Andrew calls a high romance, you know, and to and to let the love story really kind of take take uh, front and center. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, but what I do love, though, is I, I do love that moment where you hear the title song in. In the show, inside the show, and you know, and, and you do. It, it does feel stylistically a little bit different. You hear like the the synthier sound and the mm-hmm. you know like the the drum in there, and it. Uh, but I think it's just a really exciting way to like, along with Christine, like descend into this yeah. mysterious I, world. I guess we can
0: bring him up to to present day and and talk about some of his more recent work. I mean, and and his upcoming upcoming show.
1: Yeah. Well, the most recent one um, that was on Broadway was School of Rock, which I loved. Right. Um, I saw a couple of times. And again, really different show for him. It's like, you know, putting like Love Never Dies and School of Rock next to each other. Very different, very different pieces. Um, I thought School of Rock was just so so much fun. And I I listened to that, um, that cast album whenever I need just like a burst of joy. And so I love that one. And I'm glad I got to see it a couple of times on Broadway. And then um, next up for him is Cinderella in the West End, his own take. And uh, reimagining in some ways, I think of the classic fairy tale with a book by Emerald Fennel who um, is just really uh, notable these days for her um, promising young woman uh, movie that she did. As we come to up to present day, we can kind of look back
0: and think about and talk about why his work and career um, are so are so notable and relevant
1: when I when I look look at what even like a musical theater to writer today could could, you know, learn from him or, or, you know, be inspired. Um, from him, I think about, well, I think about a lot of things. I think about um, how he prioritizes melody and, you know, and writes stuff that people really want to sing, that, that, that sing beautifully, that are memorable, that, um, you know, that utilize some of these recurring themes in a score that that we talked about. And I just, you know, I love it when um, he's certainly not the only one who does this, but, but when, um, when musical theater composers write truly melodically, it's something that makes my heart very happy. Um Yeah. And uh, let's see, I think we, we spoke a lot about his taking on a lot of different subject matters. And so, you know, we, we kind of touched on that before, but I think that like, even like the ones that sound crazy until they actually happen, I think are ones that are a lot of the time really worth pursuing, you know, the ones that other people would would maybe say, oh, I don't know about that one. If it, like, that's sort of the advice I retell myself sometimes. I'm like, if it, if it really speaks to you and you can't get your head off of it, like maybe there's something there, even if it seems like an unusual idea for, for a musical. Um, I also really admire about him, his, his workshopping early and often. I mean, he has the, um, the ability to do that, uh, at his, um, Sidmonton festival, which is in a converted chapel on his English estate. And, uh, you know, we don't ha- all have an English estate to, uh, to do our work at, but, um, but the fact is that he gets stuff out in front of an audience for reaction, um, you know, really early. And he's doing that even right now in the absence of actual audiences, but putting stuff out on, on the internet, you know, I I think that that's something that we can all look at. I, I mean, I remind myself to do that, to not be like so precious and so closed off about things when they're in progress and to actually let people respond to them so that they can change. I mean, actually you were talking about even like tone of, um, Phantom of the Opera changing from the music, that music video to the, to the full show. I think that, um, there's actually some videos you could probably find still on, on YouTube of, Phantom at the Sidmonton festival where the tone of the show was pretty different. It was um, like a lot like kind of lighter and more comedic in a lot of ways. And like, I think it was just a matter of putting that up and like, you know, evaluating it and then, you know, deciding to make some changes going forward. And I feel like that's just the stuff that you can't learn unless you, you know, unless you see it. So I think, you know, even for someone as successful as he is still that um, that like that being really uh, able to workshop it and look at it honestly is a, is a strength of his so let's move on to our why is this
0: so good section Just keeping it with sure. andrew lloyd weber um yes. we're going to be talking about going back back in time back to the beginning back, of back. jesus christ superstar way, way
1: back many centuries ago yeah. well, sure, though <laughs> well, sure. to jcs yes
0: right um, to uh, uh heaven on their minds from jesus christ superstar so why did you pick this song for why is this so good
1: honestly it was just kind of the first one that popped into uh my mind um it's one i've been thinking about a lot lately honestly because i'm trying uh i'm I'm working on a song in one of my own musicals right now that i sort of want to kind of burst right out of the gate and be an explosion of energy and and point of view so it's one i have been just thinking a lot about lately personally um, as one that i think does does that extremely well Um, and also i knew that you liked jcs so i thought it would be fun to do a deep dive (laughs) Um,
0: nice. Well, yeah, and I, I guess we should, we should mention that this is the, the aside from the overture, the first, the first song in the, in the show. Um, so you mentioned, you know, right out of the gate. So this, yeah, this is the
1: first song it kind of sets us in motion into the story like there's not too much context before it except you know judas comes out and and sings this song Mm -hmm. and i think um i think we get so so much in the song really and that's what i think it does it does so well is that we know immediately what show we're seeing um i we have this this main character coming out and delivering this urgent message and we learn i think quickly through through the lyric that um that jesus is like uh, is a dear friend and someone um uh that, G- that Judas has been you know in his inner circle and that he's delivering this this like I said this very urgent um warning of uh you know things may be going too far you know and and specifically let me let me pull out the lyric you know and, and he says mm-hmm. this in actually I think a very you know sympathetic way he says you know listen Jesus I don't like what I see all I ask is that you listen to me
2: listen Jesus I don't like what I see and the you when they find they wrong.
1: You know, I think that it's it's very direct and and clear, I think in 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 his point of view and then what will become the, the point of view of of, you know, of the show and of, of of Judas within the show. And uh I think like I said just we it, it sets up the angle of the story, I think that that Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to want to tell. Yeah. And um, just continuing to talk about the lyrics, I think that they're very incisive. And I think we have a little, we have touches of that, um, that Tim Rice humor, a little, like a slightly sardonic humor with, with other sections like, you know, Nazareth, your famous son should have stayed a great unknown, like his father carving wood, he'd have made good. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that, I think, um, especially in speaking about, you know, about Jesus are, You know, like a little, like uh, they're slightly irreverent, um, but I think it it sets up the tone for the kind of show that 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 this is going to be. Like in in some ways, that the people around Jesus are going to treat him as a human being, and um, and this this question of you know, uh, you know, when he says, you know, no talk of God, then we called you a man, um, are you know, is is kind of this like central um, conflict I think within Judas of of now all of a sudden you know people are deifying. His friend and mm-hmm. he's kind of wondering if this is gonna all backfire and you know and and, and collapse their whole um their whole movement and uh, so I think that it's a I think it's lyrically really really strong and uh, just like I said a burst of energy and perspective that just comes out of the gate that is is just a, a really powerful way to start start the whole show
0: when it's just like Jesus like
1: <laughs> oh yeah the very
0: absolutely.
2: first if you strip away, the man you will see where we all soon will be jesus you started to
0: believe the things that serve you i think that i don't know that that just that like excl- exclamation of the jesus just like puts me in
1: the world of the show I know. I love that too. I love that too. It's really high in the register and it it, it is this exclamation. um, And it's, it's very rock and roll, Mm -hmm. you know? um, And I think that that uh, stylistically sets us where we are for sure. I think that, um, no, I think that, yeah, I, I, I love the, the, um, the repeated figure, that ostinato figure that, that opens up the whole, opens up the whole song. That's the, the that, 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 that section. Yeah, and uh that that whole that that plays for quite a quite a bit of the the opening of the song i kind of call that like a like a musical theater verse kind of mm-hmm. it's sort of an intro i don't exactly know if it has if you'd call it an official term but i sort of think of it as a verse so let's say, yeah. slash intro for that that section which is just so propulsive and it has a lot of tension i think you know carried carried in it and then um oh and i'll say by the way too that 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 figure comes back you know later in the show as we're talking about themes recurring and um, I was just thinking about this actually today, as I was I was, I was walking down the street, how it um, it comes back in the thirty nine lashes when mm-hmm. um, you know it, during the trial, and I just was like, I'm just thinking about that now, and just being like, wow, that is to me that's 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 Judas sort of almost like coming back and saying, you didn't heed my warning, you know, um, it, it, like th- 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 from the top of the show. So I think I... that that is like a really skillful um, restatement of of that um of that 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 uh, that mm. like, that musical hook but um so then you know other things i like about the song are that it does actually kind of follow this intro a a b a kind of structure a very kind of standard structure but to me it doesn't feel standard you know it feels kind of um full of energy and full of surprises and i think one of those surprises is that the b section it goes to seven eight and Mm, is um you know so i think is another sort of playing with sort of tension and and release so then when, when it's in seven eight it it you know um that, that, that it's that it's the Nazareth your famous son should have stayed a great unknown like it, that that section is the is in seven
2: Nazareth your famous son should have stayed a great unknown like his father carving, would he'd have made good tables chairs and oaken chest would have suited Jesus best he'd have caused nobody huh? no one alone listen Jesus do you care for your race
1: that's actually a trick that Andrew Lloyd Webber deploys like once per score at least. They're actually really, really fun to look for the the 7 8 sections. They're more plentiful than you might think. Um, oh, interesting. That not everyone tends to write in, but he he does quite a bit. Um, I really like that section cuz then it also when you land back in in 4 4, it like it, you land back in the groove. It yeah. really feels um it feels like this this moving between stable and unstable, which is I think sort of where where Judas's state of mind is and um I just think it makes the the song just really interesting to listen to. I don't know, just the the D minor just kind of rock um you know, just rock vibe I think is is just um is is just you know, it's just a great opener and a great song all around to me. And uh oh, one thing I didn't say um from before is that I think another just interesting thing about it is that the title is not a traditional uh, lyric hook. It's not the thing that you hear many mm. times throughout the yeah. song in all the A sections. It's actually just heard at the end, um, in, a, in all your followers are blind, too much heaven on their minds. It's like, what a good line. That is just like, I mean, I, I think that that is fabulous and is a great title for, for the, the whole song. Um, it's just, uh, it, but it only comes the one time at the end. So it's, right. it's not something that the ear gets like sick of hearing. It just, uh, it just yeah. lands and then it's out of there. And then there's a, you know, the whole fun, um, sort of like rock improv, um, ad-libbing kind of on the way out, which I think also gives, gives the actors something to really, um, you know, dig into and, and make their own. Oh, all your followers are blind. Too much heaven on their minds
2: was beautiful, but now it's sour Yes, it's all
0: Well, let's move on to our final section, Something Wonderful, where we just talk about something upcoming or current in musical theater at the moment that we're excited about
1: or want to give a shout out to. Well, you know, for me, it's just it just it's it's that little thing of Broadway reopening, like when, <laughs> when that happens. And, you know, we don't have a date yet. And we don't even have like a, a range really yet officially. But I mean, that is the thing that I'm just absolutely the most excited for and um and other than that you know i'm um, just all the other things that come with um you know being a musical theater writer and supporting new musicals it's yeah. like i want to be in the rehearsal rooms and i want to go to everybody's readings and concerts i want to just be out every night at you know at 54 below and you know and um <laughs> and just seeing seeing all the new musicals being born that's just really my favorite thing and i just can't wait to get back to it
0: thank you all for listening to this episode of scene to song You can write to scene to song at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest, love this podcast, help it find more listeners by rating it on Apple podcasts and leaving a review. Follow us on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter at scene song and on Facebook at scene to song with Shoshana Greenberg podcast. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode.